Welcome to an enlightening podcast from IslamPodcasts.com. We encourage our listeners to please comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please remind your family and friends to also visit IslamPodcasts.com for engaging discussions on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, Seerah, and much more. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillah, na'amadu wa nasalli ala rasulihi al-kareem. Amma ba'd. <coughs> Inshallah, in uh, today's talk, we will cover uh, the, the topic of Hajjat uh, al-Wada', the farewell, uh, the pilgrimage or the Hajj of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. As we have discussed in uh, last week's uh, talk, all the... <coughs> In general, um, uh, all uh, all the tribes in the uh, in uh, Arabian Peninsula, they enter into folds of Islam. And uh, <clears throat> at this point, Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam he decided to make the Hajj um, before Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Abu Bakr already made one uh, Hajj on the, in the ninth year of the Hijra after the Fatah Makkah, and now Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam decided to make the Hajj, and uh, there was. Uh, a huge amount of number of people have already entered into Islam uh, by now, and when they found out that Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam had decided to uh, do the Hajj, they started gathering to go along with Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And uh, there are two different narrations. Uh, uh, they talk about the number of people who gathered. Uh, one of them says about hundred and. Uh, uh, 124,000, other one says 144,000, I believe there's another one that says 140,000. So uh, whatever the number was, it's a huge number of people who gathered to make Hajj with Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And uh, as I discussed last week, um, we can see that in uh, four years from the time of the Sulah Hudaybiyah or the Treaty of Hudaybiyah was signed, until this Hajj that Rasulullah was making, which is about exactly almost uh, for a four-year period of time, uh, the, the, that time Rasulullah came with about fourteen hundred uh, Sahaba to perform the uh, Umrah, and now that number increased uh, by almost hundred times uh, the number of people who are making the Hajj, and that's the success of uh, Sulah Hudaybiyah or the Treaty of Hudaybiyah, which Allah Azza wa Jal referred to that as uh, as Fath as the victory. Um, and it was uh, uh, Rasulullah Sallallahu uh, that how how far he saw about the impact of that treaty, and of course he was guided by the Wahi, and Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is the one who directed him to do that. Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam now when he started perform, uh, going for the Hajj, he left four days uh, the la- uh, four days prior to the end of the the, the, Dulqada, the month, and uh, when he arrived. In uh, Dhul Hulayfa, uh, here Rasulullah Sallallahu performed two rakah and he spent the night there. And uh, uh, in the morning, he told Rasul, uh, the the companions that uh, Jibril came and uh, uh, sent by Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. And he he called me tonight and said, "Pray in this blessed valley and say, uh, I intend Umrah combined with uh, combined with Hajj, uh, which is uh, to make the intention here. Now you are going forward towards making the Hajj." Now, I, I will not go into the detail of this Hajj, meaning every, 
uh, every um, all the manasik of the Hajj, meaning the rituals of the Hajj. Rather, uh, uh, I'll talk more about the last sermon that Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam made, and that's uh, uh, a very important uh, uh, important khutbah that Rasulullah delivered, and uh, we will see that uh, it is almost as if like a summary of uh, uh, of the deen that Rasulullah SAW presented and he took out the most important uh, aspects of the deen and he delivered. There were actually two khutbas he mentioned, uh, he delivered there. One was uh, on the day of the Arafah uh, and the second there was a, that khutbah on the uh, on the day of the Eid which is the Yawm al-Nahr. <coughs> so when Rasulullah SAW, uh, he <coughs> on the eighth day of the Dhul-Hajjah, uh, which is which is also called the day of uh, Tarwiyah. Uh, he left for Mina there, and where he performed the noon. So he prayed basically from the, the Dhuhr prayer, Asr, Maghrib, Asha, and the Fajr of the following day. So he performed five salahs over there. He stayed there for a while. Then he rose up and he passed along and he reached Arafah. So now Arafah, which means he reached Arafah on the ninth day of the Dhul Hajjah, which is also called. Uh, and uh, here Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam prior to uh, making the salah for Salat al-Dhuhr and Asr which was when you're traveling can be combined and uh, <coughs> and it can be reduced so two rakah for Dhuhr and two for Asr was performed later on but prior to making the uh, salah Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he actually de- delivered the, the the important khutbah of uh, of the Hajj, and uh, I will inshallah <clears throat> try to break it down into smaller smaller chunks, and inshallah try to see our uh, the link to our lives also in today uh, today's time. Uh, and the important thing about this Hajj is you can see from uh, from the time that Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam even when he was performing the Hajj. He, there are signs he already showed uh, showed to the to the Sahaba that uh, this may be the last uh, the Hajj that Rasulullah will be performing here, uh, and uh, he will not be able to see see the people next year, for example. So when he started off, uh, and the, the, the and when he performed the Hajj, he performed the Hajj in a manner. That, uh, when you think of it, a person who is meeting the people for the last time then you try your best, if you are aware of it, this is the last time you are meeting somebody, you'll try your best to talk about the most important things that needs to be delivered to the person in front of you, or the people in front of you. So Rasulullah also, we can see that when he was, uh, he started the khutbah, he, the wordings I started off were like this, O people, lend me an attentive ear, for I know not whether after this year I shall ever be amongst you. Again, therefore, listen to what I am saying to you very carefully and take these words to those who could not be present here today. So, uh, and obviously when uh, the message is like this, Rasulullah is already saying that this is, you may not be, you, uh, the, the, he, he said by himself that, that uh, for I know not whether after this year I shall ever be amongst you again. So that was a sign that uh, that was a farewell khutbah that Rasulullah was making. And on top of it, he said also this to the Sahaba there, even though the number was 124,000 or 144,000 Sahaba were there, 
he uh, he said that like this that the ones who are not present take this message to them meaning this message that Rasulullah was giving that has to be carried on to the other generations and it's not only for the Sahaba at that time rather for the coming generations to listen to the very same message because they are, they were not present there now after uh, after that Rasulullah Sallallahu said people just as you regard this month and he was saying that this month and this city as sacred as regard the life and property of every Muslim as a sacred trust return the goods entrusted to you to their rightful owner hurt no one so that no one may hurt you now this is a very important message in here because uh, it is uh, it is an obligation on the Muslims to uh, to protect the, uh, the 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 life of Muslim and even the, uh, the non-Muslims even uh, and uh, uh, and Rasulullah is talking about the the value of uh, of the life of a Muslim here. Every Muslim has a, has a sacred trust. As another hadith of Rasulullah talks about a similar topic when he was making the tawaf of the Kaaba and he said, uh, Hadith is saying that Rasulullah was making the tawaf of the Kaaba. And uh, while he was doing that, he said, How pure you are and how pure is your, your fragrance, how great you are and how great is your sanctity. By the one in whose hand is the soul of Muhammad, the sanctity of the believer is greater or the blood of the or the most of the believer is greater to Allah than your sanctity and then the hadith continues on uh, uh, in his wealth in his life and to assume nothing of him but good so uh, it is uh, so he, the the rasulullah khutbah started off reminding the ummah the the value of uh, of the Muslim's wealth, his uh, his life and uh, uh, and his honor uh, is in, in the sight of Allah Azza wa Jal, and uh, how we should be behave. So that that's a lesson even for today and until the day of judgment for the Muslim Ummah to remember when we are dealing with each other. Then Rasulullah talk about another aspect of it, uh, of uh, of economics, economics actually, which is one of the biggest issue in the world today. That the, uh, the khutbah goes on and says that remember that you will indeed meet your Lord and that He will indeed reckon your deeds. Allah has forbidden you to take usury, riba. Therefore, all interest obligations shall henceforth be waived. Your capital, however, is yours to keep. You will neither inflict nor suffer any inequity. Allah has judged that there shall be no interest and that all the interest due to Abbas ibn Abdul Muttalib shall henceforth be waived. So now Rasulullah announced the, uh, announced the hurma or the, uh, the, the, the forbiddenness of, of the riba on which today's whole economic system is based on. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam made this haram to give or take riba. And Rasulullah sallallahu was very clear about that. And to show it, uh, the importance of it, he started off with his own family member who, who, whose wealth was given out to the people 
to collect the riba or the interest over it, which was Abbas bin Abdul Muttalib, the uncle of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And he said that he started, he started off from him that whatever riba uh, that, or the interest that he, uh, he, he could collect from the people that he has given the loans to the people, then he, he, uh, he's not allowed to take it anymore. Yes, he can take back his principal, principal amount, which is an, uh, a normal dealing in the case of loans. So the riba was made haram at that time and Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam made it very clearly uh, that it is not allowed for, uh, for, for the Muslims to deal with the riba anymore. And uh, uh, as I'm saying, many of these ahkam that we are talking about here, they were already existed in Islam, uh, but uh, this is more of a reaffirmation or to summarize all the, uh, the, the important rules. That does not mean that this is only Islam. Islam was revealed to Rasulullah over 23 years of a period of time. And there are uh, uh, the rest of the Quran and, and the Sunnah of Rasulullah is there for us to follow. And then Rasulullah actually mentioned that at the end of the khutbah as well. But to, 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 to remi- it's a reminder for us that this is something which is uh, important and we should not be involved in that. Like uh, uh, the hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, it talks about that uh, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says that uh, he, he talked about uh, the people who are involved in the riba. The hadith says that uh, curse the acceptor of Rasulullah uh, curse the acceptor of the, uh, the, the riba, the one who uh, pays it uh, uh, and the one who records it, meaning there's a writing of it. And the two witnesses also, they're all uh, cursed by Rasulullah and they are equal in that sin. And it is, uh, it's, 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 a, it's a, one of the kabiras that uh, we should be avoiding. Third thing Rasulullah Sallallahu mentioned in his khutbah was he said that beware of shaitan for the safety of your religion. He has lost all hope that he will ever be able to lead you astray in big things. So beware of following him in small things. So it's not the uh, uh, issue of just thinking of uh, uh, only the big things. It's we have to be aware of shaitan all the time because he's out there to misguide uh, the human, the mankind at large. Uh, so Allah, Allah also mentioned at another place in Surah Al-Baqarah, يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا دُخُلُوا فِي السِّلْمِ كَافَةً وَلَا تَتَّبِعُوا خُطُوَاتِ الشَّيْطَانِ إِنَّهُ لَكُمْ عَدُوهُ مُبِينَ Or you who believe, uh, enter uh, completely in Islam uh, by obeying all the rules and regulations of, of Islam and follow not the footsteps of shaitan. Verily he is uh, to you, a plain, clear enemy. So, uh, that's the, uh, and uh, what I'm saying, that's the third thing that I mentioned, of course, uh, this khutbah can have many, many, many things. I am just breaking down into these few things. Uh, and if we just sit down and just talk about the khutbah, probably we'll be talking uh, all day long. And there are books written on just the khutbah, this last sermon of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So we are just trying to uh, to summarize to 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 uh, to certain extent that we can cover it within this time period of time, which is half an hour or forty five minutes that we talk about. Uh, so other thing, Rasulullah number four thing, Rasulullah I mentioned was people. It is uh, which is about the rights of the women. Actually, uh, he said, people. It is true that you have certain rights with regard to your women, but they also have rights over you. Remember that you have taken them as your wives only under trust from Allah, and with His permission. If they abide by your right, then to them belongs the right to be fed and clothed in kindness. Do treat your women well. 
and be kind to them for they are your partners and committed helpers. And it is your right that they do not make friends with any one of whom you do not approve, as well as never be unchaste. So look, this is Rasulullah is talking about the rights of the women 1400 years ago. And, uh, and when we find that there are many uh, nations who are until like the past, probably in the last century or so, they were just trying to resolve solve this issue whether the women had soul, have souls or not. And Rasulullah subhanahu wa ta'ala had given the rights to the women uh, 1400 years ago. In, in Islam, of course, but prior, prior to that, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the uh, send other messengers also, they gave, gave the rights. But talking about from the time of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So he, uh, uh, he mentioned that they, as, as you have rights over them, they have rights over you. And they are your companions, they are your partners, and you are supposed to treat them well with the fear of Allah Azza wa Jal. And fear of Allah is the main thing in all the relationships, whether it's husband and wife, whether it's with the parents, with the children, or, or with at large to the whole world. Our relationship with each other has to be based on the fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, unfortunately, uh, because the people are not, they're not, they're not ruled by Islam and the Islam cannot be seen in practice as a way of life, we find that there are uh, all sorts of different organizations. They, they get, get up for looking for women's rights or, or they talk about feminism or this ism or that ism. Rather than talking about, okay, what does the creator, what are the rights the creator has given to the men or the women? And uh, uh, he is the one who really knows that uh, what is good for uh, each and every one of us no matter what time or place we are living in. So that's the only thing that can really bring justice for the mankind at large. Not not only to talk about women or men, but the whole mankind, inshallah. Okay, uh, then uh, the fifth thing that I want to address uh, uh, in reference to this khutbah is, uh, so Allah said, people listen to me in earnest, Worship Allah, perform your five daily prayers, fast during the month of Ramadan, and offer zakah. Perform hajj if you have the means. <clears throat> and we know that. These are the five pillars of Islam that Rasulullah reminded the ummah even at that time. And other hadith discusses the same thing that Rasulullah said, Bunni al-Islam ala khams shahadat, shahadat an la ilaha illallah wa anna Muhammadan abduhu wa rasuluh wa iqam salah wa ita'i zakah wa al-hajji wa al-sawmi wa ramadan. So Rasulullah said, the Islam is built on five, or based on five, which is the shahada, <coughs> that there is nobody worthy of worship except Allah Azza wa Jalla. Rasulullah is his slave and messenger. And to establish the salah, to give the zakah and perform hajj uh, and uh, and fast in the month of Ramadan. And this hadith is muttafaqun um, alayhi, uh, which is reported by Bukhari and Muslim. Uh, so the, the this reminder, these five pillars of, uh, of Islam, of course, this is what the Islam is built on. And uh, uh, it is, it, it, the, the, these five pillars actually also remind us of Islam is not like secularism. Because the, nowadays, today, uh, many uh, attempts have been made to secularize Islam, to show that Islam is as if only uh, ritualistic uh, ibadat. Uh, rather, Islam is a way of life, and uh, we have to take Islam as a way of life, uh, not to think of it 
to uh, bend or twist or turn Islam in a manner that we can say that Islam is same as secularism. Secularism is completely uh, a system other than what Islam talks about. Because Islam is is the one that uh, uh, calls for worshipping Allah Azza wa Jal in all aspects of life, including ibadat, meaning the worshipping Allah Azza wa Jal in, uh, uh, for our worships. And, uh, to, to, and Islam provides us the ways of how to deal with uh, all our transactions, all our mu'amalat, meaning with the other people, uh, and also Islam tells us about how to deal with uh, yourself also, whether what you eat, what you drink, what you dress. So it's a, it's a comprehensive way of life, and it's different than uh, secular uh, systems. <clears throat> okay, and Rasulullah uh, uh, Rasul also said, all mankind is from Adam uh, and Hawa, and Arab has no superiority superiority over a non-Arab, nor does non-Arab have any superiority over an Arab. White has no superiority over black, nor does a black have any superiority over white. None have superiority over another, except by piety and good action. Now, this, see, subhanAllah, if you just look at these couple of lines from the khutbah and just try to apply that, it can resolve the the one of the biggest problems that mankind is facing today that uh, for example uh, now racism has uh, is popping left and right and causing uh, problems for all sorts of different kind of people and people who feel they are different than the other they start thinking of that they are more superior than the other or they are superior than the other or they are better than the other and and on and on and on while islam resolved this issue 1400 years ago and uh, gave the solution to this problem. That's a different story that uh, if people are not implementing or not living by this, uh, but Islam actually uh, not only mentions that and when Islam is ruling, it makes sure that there is no uh, race is considered superior to the other or no gender is considered superior to the other uh, because the, the thing that makes one better than the other is the is the is the taqwa uh, of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has mentioned in uh, surah al-hujurat also ya ayyuhan nas inna khalaqnakum min dhakar wa untha wa ja'alnakum wa ja'alnakum shu'uban wa qabaila lita'arafu so the ayah says we have created you from one man and one woman and we are the one who made you into 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 nations and tribes and then the ayah continues on in akramakum indeed allah subhanahu in front of allah azza wa jal the one who has more honor is the one that has more taqwa in allah allah is the one who knows and who has information about who has more taqwa than the other so it's not us who decides one person is better than the other. Yes, we as humans, we can only talk about what we see from the apparent actions and we make judgments based on what we see a person is doing. <clears throat> okay. Number seven, uh, Rasulullah said, learn that every Muslim is a brother to every Muslim and that Muslims constitute one brotherhood. Nothing shall be legitimate to a Muslim which belongs to a fellow Muslim unless it was given freely and willingly. Do not... Uh, do not therefore do injustice to yourselves. Here Allah Rasulullah reminded us uh, one of the basic tenets to be a Muslim that uh, that you are brothers to each other. And uh, part of that brotherhood is that we do not uh, 
uh, we do not hurt each other in any manner, whether it's the wealth, whether it's the health, whether it's uh, our uh, honor, uh, or we do not do any kind of an injustice to each other. As the ayah from Allah, uh, from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, from Surah Al-Hujarat again, says, the, the believers are nothing but the brothers to each other. So make reconciliation between your, uh, your, your uh, between among yourself and fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so you will have the mercy from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And uh, other places Rasulullah also reminded us about uh, what does it mean to be a Muslim. As, uh, the hadith said, Al-Muslim al Muslim la yadlimu wa la yahudhulu wa la yahqiru. Uh, the, the hadith is saying a Muslim is a brother of a Muslim. He does not oppress, he does not betray him and give it to uh, the, the, in the, into the hands of the enemy. And he does not degrade him. Uh, and, and there are many ayat and hadith in the subject. Uh, and I will not just go, uh, I, I, I cannot cover all those things in this limited time. So inshallah we'll try to just uh, be focused on some of the points and uh, continue on. The number eight point uh, mentioned there was, remember, one day you will, dis- will appear before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and answer for your deeds. So beware. Do not stray from the path of righteousness after I am gone. So Allah, Rasulullah is reminding us that at the end of the day, we are, have all will appear in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we are all going to die. We all have to uh, face Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We will be accountable. So we... And Rasulullah will be gone also. And he's mentioning that after he is gone, we should not stray away from the right path. Because uh, uh, that every soul will, will, will taste the death. And on the day of the judgment, you will, get, you will be recompensed for, for everything. And uh, whosoever was able to save himself from the fire and enter into Jannah فقد فاز uh, so, so for sure he is successful وما الحياة الدنيا إلا متاع الغرور and what is this life of dunya except uh, uh, deception uh, uh, enjoy, enjoyment of deception that, and this is how shaitan has actually made the oath to Allah Azza wa Jal that uh, when he, uh, <coughs> he when he actually did not bow down to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he actually uh, asked for time until the day of judgment and he he said that he will make uh, this dunya uh, look, uh, uh, he will deceive the people from the enjoyment of this dunya. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is reminding us here and Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in his last khutbah is also reminding us that uh, do not leave the path of righteousness after Rasulullah sallallahu was gone. <clears throat> then the ninth point Rasulullah sallallahu mentioned here was people uh, no prophet or apostle uh, will come after me. There is no Nabi or Rasul will come after me. And no new deen will be born. Reason well, therefore, O people, and understand words which I convey to you. I leave behind me two things, the Quran and my example, the Sunnah. And if you follow these, you will never be, never go astray. So here Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, is reminding us that first of all, Rasulullah sallallahu uh, is the last messenger. There will be no messenger after Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. There's no messenger. There's no prophet, and the uh, the only uh, and there will be no more new deen. Meaning, Allah subhanahu wa taala is not going to send a new Sharia 
for uh, uh, to to be followed. Not talking about the people may, may, may not make new deen. Uh, that's a separate issue. Talking about the deen from Allah Azza wa is Islam only. And uh, the things that we are left with to follow after Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam are Quran and the Sunnah. And Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala has mentioned in many many places about the obedience, about following Allah and His Messenger, as Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala says, "Ya ayyuhaladina amanu." then go back to Allah and His Messenger. If you believe in Allah and the Day of Judgment. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is connecting this idea of following Allah and His Messenger with the belief, with the belief in Allah and the Day of Judgment. So this is, this is, these are the things that Rasulullah has left behind us and this is the only way for us to be successful to follow Quran and the Sunnah. And for that, whatsoever life affair uh, we are talking about, we are looking for solutions for any of our life problems. We have to go back to the Quran Sunnah and look for the solutions over there. And then Rasulullah Sallallahu also mentioned, and all those who listen to me shall pass on my words to, the, uh, to others and those to others again. And it may be that the last ones understand my words better than those listen to me directly. Be my witness, O Allah, that I have conveyed your message to your people. So here Rasulullah is not only reminding us that uh, that uh, 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 that we, we convey the message to the ones who are not there but also he is saying that maybe the ones who will who are not present they will carry this message better than you can. So subhanAllah and you're talking about the Sahaba who are present in front of Rasulullah Sallallahu is saying that there, is a, there may be the ones who will come later on. They may get, carry it better than you can. Uh, of course, this has nothing to do with the blessings of the Sahaba. There is no way to exceed their blessings. But talking about the uh, actions that Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala wants from us, they are doable for all of us. Uh, the, the way that Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala made the Sahaba responsible for for the ahkam that it was revealed at that time. The very same ahkam are they applied on us as well. So the way they were mukallaf, uh, they, they were responsible to follow the command of Allah. We are mukallaf the very same way. So we should not make this as an excuse that oh, we are talking about the Sahaba. They they could have done it. We cannot do that. No. If Allah is going to ask us, hold us accountable for it, means we are accountable. We have to. We have the capability Allah has given us to do. Okay. And then uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, after that, uh, the, the, the ayat were revealed uh, from Surah Al-Ma'idah after Rasulullah was done with this, uh, uh, with this khutbah, uh, the one that said, Al-Yawm Akmaltu, Lakum Deenakum Wa Atmamdu Alaykum Ni'mati Wa Raditu Lakum Al-Islam Adina, that today we have perfected your deen and uh, we have uh, uh, completed the, we have perfected your deen and today uh, we have uh, fulfilled the blessings over you and we have chosen Islam as a way of life for you. So, the, 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 uh, and when this ayah was revealed, Umar bin Khattab radiallahu an, he started crying and Rasulullah asked him, what makes you cry? And he was, uh, uh, he, uh, 
actually he was asked what makes you cry and his answer was nothing succeeds perfection but imperfection uh, because Islam is perfected at that time it means there will be nobody uh, any, anything that you add to the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala it will cause imperfection and if you take anything away from the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that will cause imperfection so that's kind of a sign of uh, 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 sign of the deen is completed the, the doors of the wahi will be closed and as this is why some of the uh, so, so some of the fuqaha they consider this ayah is one of the last ayah that were revealed to Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam that has uh, the ahkam. Okay, and uh, then after the, the khutbah was over, Bilal radiyallahu an he called for the salah and uh, uh, and they made the salat al-dhuhr and asr. And Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam he. Uh, he, he he mounted on the qaswa and uh, al qaswa was a she camel that rasulullah was uh, uh, was was traveling on when he, he came for the hajj and uh, uh, after that rasulullah performed the rituals of the hajj and uh, uh, um, after the days of tashriq were over which are the 3 days after the after the 10th of the dhul hajjah rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam he uh, started heading uh, towards uh, uh, towards Medina. But before I go to talk about the Medina, uh, as I mentioned in the beginning of the talk, uh, after the Yom Arafah, the khutbah, Rasulullah also delivered a small uh, khutbah on the following day on the Yom Al-Nahar as well. And uh, on that day, I just want to take out one part of the khutbah to make sure that we get this message. Uh, Rasulullah mentioned that uh, that you will go back to be resurrected after death to your Lord. There will be, a, you will be accounted for your deeds. So do not turn into people, go astray and kill one another. Have I? And he said, "Have I not delivered the message of, of my Lord, of uh, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala?" And the, the response was, "Yes, you have." So, since the O Allah, bear, Rasulullah said, "O Allah, bear witness uh, that um, let him that is present convey it unto him who is absent." For happily, many people to whom the message is conveyed may be more mindful of it than the uh, than the audience. Uh, Rasulullah said, and uh, uh, after that, Rasulullah as I said, continued on, and he did the rituals of the Hajj and uh, the, the three days of at Tashriq, which is the 11th, 12th, and third, uh, the 11th, 12th, and 13th day of the Dhul and uh, uh, and then Rasulullah headed towards Medina, and. Uh, when he was heading towards Medina, it was not like, uh, okay, so now Rasulullah has accomplished uh, uh, basically that the whole Jaziyatul Arab was under the control of Rasulullah and they were following the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And now it's a time of rest even, uh, and he had the signs that uh, this is the time Rasulullah sallallahu Will uh, uh, will pass away from this dunya, uh, then he would go back and rest in Medina. Rather, when he goes back, now he started preparing another army, uh, and this is considered as the last expedition or the last battle that Rasulullah started the preparation for. He was not the one who participated in that. Rather, he actually prepared the army uh, uh, under the leadership of Osama bin Zaid, radiAllahu an. And this army was uh, sent against the Byzantine state actually, was going to be sent against, against the Byzantine. Uh, because, uh, as we, uh, because of one of the incidents that happened uh, that we talked about last week or so about the Farwa bin Amr al-Judami. He was one of the rulers of, or the, or the proxy rulers of the Byzantine uh, state for the 
area of Mu'an. And when he became a Muslim, they actually killed him. Now Rasulullah did not just let, let it slide, these kind of things. And you can find that whether it was people like Farwa bin, uh, bin Amr or even uh, people like uh, when a Muslim was killed, when uh, a Muslim woman uh, honor was uh, uh, was played with by the Yahud in Medina or even one of the shepherds he was killed uh, by uh, by the surrounding area of the Medina Rasulullah took immediate uh, actions to to uh, to respond back to these kind of actions and uh, uh, hence the same thing was done for Farwa also that when he was uh, he was martyred he was killed by the Byzantines Rasulullah prepared an army uh, uh, and the leadership was given to Osama bin Zayd and he was barely about 17 years old at that time and when his, this leadership was given many of the Sahaba they, they, they criticized because of his young age and the Rasulullah's response was no wonder now you contest his leadership for you have already contested the ex contested the leadership of his father which was Zayd bin Al-Hartha uh, yes by Allah his father who was one of the most beloved people to me was quite efficient for leadership and this son of his uh, is one of the most be beloved individuals to me after his father. And when Rasulullah made the statement, now the Sahaba, they started gathering around Osama bin Zayd to uh, go and uh, fight against the Byzantines. Uh, while this uh, preparation was going on, Rasulullah he, uh, he he became sick. And uh, because of his sickness, the this army was delayed to be sent out and uh, this sickness of Rasulullah actually uh, resulted into passing away Rasulullah from this dunya and uh, this army of Usama actually was dispatched in the time of Abu Bakr Siddiq uh, so uh, inshallah I will stop here and uh, discuss if there's any questions or comments uh, uh, and in the next week we'll talk about uh, uh, the sickness of Rasulullah during those day, the last days of his in this dunya inshallah and uh, uh, we'll see from there on uh, so if there's any questions or comments inshallah uh, on the subject I'll try to answer them now Thank you for listening to this podcast Podcasts on current events Islamic guidance Quran, Tafsir, and Sirah are available at islampodcasts.com as well as on iTunes. Rate, review, and comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please subscribe, share, and tell a friend about islampodcasts.com.